Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. So, uh, yeah, as you notice, or maybe you didn't notice, and that's totally okay, but today I am uh, the only pastor here. Uh, pastor Greg is, uh, I think, in the Calgary, no, he maybe landing, he's in the air, almost landing in Grand Prairie, coming back from his uh, trip from Thailand, and uh, Nate is uh, visiting with family. His parents, who are international workers, are up visiting, and so we'll actually be able to hear from his parents, uh, Ray and Cindy Perry, next week. They're going to be uh, speaking, so that will be exciting. But as a result, it, you get me today for all the things. So, yeah, not too bad of a thing. <laughs> well, as uh, Nick did such a great job of kind of talking about that uh, Sabbath and uh, Sabbath feast, and, and Sabbath is kind of a word that we throw around sometimes. I remember years ago, I was a, a part of a small group, and we got on the topic of Sabbath, and it was a fascinating discussion, because all of us were like, yeah, yeah, Sabbath is important, we, we really need to do that, and, and yeah, you know, we all want to do Sabbath, but then as we were talking, okay, what do we... What, what, what is Sabbath? None of us really were sure of what that was. Someone made a comment, well, like, I don't, I don't know if I can spend all day just, like, praying to God. Is that what Sabbath is? Another person who, who lived alone was like, well, to just kind of stop everything and be my, my, be my myself doesn't, that doesn't feel like Sabbath, but is that Sabbath? And me, I had little kids at the, the time, and and frankly, whenever people said, you need to stop and have a Sabbath, I just got really annoyed at them. Because as a stay-at-home mom at the time, my job, there was no rest from my job. <laughs> the kids still needed to eat. They still needed things changed. They still needed bedtime. And so I was like, well, I don't know what Sabbath is, but maybe for stay-at-home moms, you just don't get a Sabbath. And we kind of ended the discussion of all of us saying, we don't really actually know what this looks like. But we think it's important. And all of us kind of had a deep um, longing for Sabbath, for rest. Even if none of us could really articulate what that is. Sabbath is Shabbat in Hebrew. And it means to cease, stop, be done. And I think it's just not, wasn't unique to that group I was a part of, but all of us kind of have an ache for Sabbath, don't we? A life where we're at peace with God. And we live with joy. And this ache isn't something new. This goes all the way back to Jesus' day and beyond that. Listen to one of Jesus' famous invitations in, Mar in Matthew 11. Verse 28, then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. Well, Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrases it a little differently, and this, I love this version. Listen to this again. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That one hits a little different, doesn't it? I just, excuse me, I just need a Kleenex. <laughs> Sorry. At that paraphrase, actually, I, uh, I used in one of my uh, papers as I'm working through ordination with our denomination, I used that paraphrase as my definition for discipleship, what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And yet, as we ask people, as I've asked many of you over the last couple of weeks, how's it going? How you doing? The standard answer is busy and or tired. Low-grade exhaustion seems to be the new normal, doesn't it? I saw this uh, meme on Facebook once, and it made me laugh because I said these things myself, and I hear other people. And it said, adulthood is saying, but after this, thing, after this week, things will slow down a bit, and then I can rest over and over again until you die. How many times have we said, that? we're just in a busy period, a few more weeks, and then we'll rest. And then you get past those few more weeks, and suddenly those weeks have filled up. Busy and tired seems to be our way of living. Well, what are some reasons for this tiredness? Why are we so tired? Well, some of it's body-based. You know, people used to sleep around 10 to 11 hours a night. Now the Western average is just over six. And so there's a, actually a huge amount of research coming out from neuroscientists about the effects of uh, sleep deprivation on the mind and body. Memory issues, mood changes, weakened immune, blood pressure issues, weight gain, higher risk for diabetes and, and heart issues, impact on reproduction, poor balance, and increase of an early death. And let's just acknowledge, there's, there's some seasons of life where tiredness and lack of sleep is, is just unavoidable. Young families, anyone? You, you can't get around that. But I think it's become chronic for far too many of us. And when we're so tired, we're actually diminished in our whole being. We're not tired just in our bodies, but our souls are tired. And we can go on vacation. We can have a night where the baby sleeps through the night and, and maybe catch up a little on our sleep and our bodies feel rested. But 
the psycho-spiritual exhaustion can't be fixed by going on vacation, can't be fixed by having your child finally sleep through the night. It just doesn't work because of how actually our modern life functions nowadays. There's that hurry, busyness, can't stop pace of life. Some of us have an always-on work culture. Now that we have email, we can check it whenever. Now that we have cell phones, people can call us outside of work hours to get in touch with us. For some of us, there's a rising cost of living. Maybe some of us have to have a side hustle to make bill payments. The digital age doesn't help either. We have phones, we have notifications, we have new YouTube video videos that get published, we have 24-hour news cycle. And even the polarization of politics and this drive to feel, need to feel informed about all the issues that are happening can lend to, you, to the exhaustion. And then I think the cultural value of radical individualism and the loneliness that comes from that leads to exhaustion. It's just too much. No wonder we're tired. And chronic exhaustion just isn't an emotional or uh, physical issue, but at its core, it's actually a spiritual problem. Well, why? Why is it a spiritual problem? Well, we follow Jesus, who talks about the greatest commandment in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. When the Pharisees are trying to trap, trap him, they ask a question. What is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, for Jesus, love is the ultimate aim of the spiritual journey. And we can chart our progress, and we do chart our progress, by asking ourselves, are, am I becoming more loving towards God? Am I becoming more loving towards myself? Am I becoming more loving to others? And man, the more exhausted we are, the more difficult it is to love. Or do any of the fruits of the Spirit. It's hard to love and follow God when you're worn down. There's, more, there's new evidence that talk about lack of rest erodes the frontal, prefrontal cortex. That's where we exercise our self-control. So as we're tired, our actual ability to self-control goes down. Another way of saying it is when we're tired, we're, we're more prone to sin, more prone to a lack of love. And it's hard to love people too. Tired people are not loving to others or themselves. Man, when you think about maybe the, the times that you've shown up in kind of the worst way, as a human, friend, coworker, for me, wife and mom, it's been when I'm tired exhausted, stressed, in a hurry. And even if I recognize it in those moments that I'm not being kind and loving to my kids, my solution 
is to become more unloving to myself. Okay, I, I thought I was really mean. Man, Amy, how could you do that? You need to be a better mom. Man, you're really failing at this mom thing. This is not how life is meant to be. Jesus' will for us is not sleep-deprived, chronically exhausted, overcommitted, unhappy, and living with no margin. That kind of sounds like the enemy's will, doesn't it? The enemy is anti-Sabbath, anti-rest. And, and somehow, we've kind of let that into the church. There's a weird church culture around working ourselves to the bone, isn't there? I've heard uh, people say, you know, the devil doesn't take a day off, so why should we? It's a bit weird that we're basing our practice off what he might do. (laughs) But also, we've seen this in the church, too, where our desire to serve Jesus with maybe some other things mixed in there, like obligation and performance, we end up having a culture, and I'm talking about the wider church here, we end up having a culture of, you know, if you're not burnt out for Jesus, you're not serving him good enough. We work our volunteers to the bone. We work our pastors to the bone, thinking, well, that means they're doing a good job. And again, I'm not saying just specifically Beaver Lodge, I'm talking the greater church. What is going on? That doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? It doesn't sound like his invitation in Matthew 22, does it? So here's a metaphor that might be helpful. Think about life as as a power bar, like on a phone. 100% is what Jesus calls life to the fullest, or abundant life in John 10.10. What he says he's come to give us. And 0% is dead. Well, we seem to have a habit of we don't rest until we're dangerously tired. Down to 20 or 30, and then we do rest, and it's not enough to bring us up to full, but just enough that we can keep on slogging through. But what do we miss out on? That 30, 40, 50% that we never seem to recharge. Well, I think we miss out on the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We also miss out on the stuff that comes when we're rested. Wisdom, insight, hope and vision for the future, grace for ourselves and others, energy to do our best. This is why rest is essential to be a follower of Jesus. If the end goal is to be a person of love, rooted and grounded in in Jesus, we can't do that if we're exhausted. So, is there a practice from the way that Jesus lived that we see through scriptures that can reorientate us away from exhaustion and towards abundant life? Yes, there is the practice of Sabbath. Shabbat, stop. It can also mean rest, delight, worship, 
And so we're going to be framing the Sabbath in four movements. Stop, rest, delight, and worship. We'll be covering them all in four sessions. And so today is stop. And all of our, just to let you know where this is coming from, all of our teaching notes as well as uh, some guides that we have available for you, as well as uh, the discussion questions that you'll be doing in your Connect groups, if your Connect group is doing this, they're all from an organization called Practicing the Way. And this organization, their desire is to help churches uh, teach and start implementing some of the ways how Jesus lived his life into the greater church of Sabbath, prayer, fasting, solitude. And so we're doing the Sabbath one, and it's from this Practicing the Way organization. But we're doing it because we believe that to live a life for Jesus is more than just this. That to learn some uh, really spiritual disciplines is another way of saying it, but to learn some of the practices that Jesus walked in and then implement them in our own lives as we walk together both in the Sunday service, connect groups on our own, will be a way that we understand then what it means to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace that Jesus has for us. So, the first one today is stop. Let's look at Genesis 2, 1 to 3. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Did you catch that? God Sabbathed. Yeah, but I'm a high-capacity person. I really love my job. God Sabbathed. Yeah, but you know what? I'm more of a doer, and I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. God Sabbathed. Yeah, but I have little kids at home. You don't know. God Sabbathed. Yeah, but I have my own business, and, and if I don't do stuff, it doesn't get done, and I don't get paid. God Sabbathed. Yeah, but I'm a hard worker, and I can just keep going. God Sabbathed. Yeah, but I just need to push through my huge list of things to do, and then God Sabbathed. God the Creator stopped. Why do you think you don't need to? He built a rhythm into the fabric of creation for us. Work for six, then we stop for one. Did you know that the week is the one unit of time that's not tied to the movement of the stars? I didn't, I, somehow that didn't occur to me. Right? A day is an Earth's 24-hour rotation. A month is around the moon's lunar cycle. A year is the Earth's journey around the sun. Seven days a week is not. That's built out of God's own life rhythm. Apparently, the French Revolution, uh, as they came in and, and uh, destroyed the monarchy and, and all the... Um, 
things in 1793 and killed a lot of people, but they tried to change the work week. They tried to take it from a seven-day work week to a 10-day, thinking that they'd be able to get more production and more efficiency. Well, apparently, it was not good. Productivity went down. It didn't work. But we're kind of reliving a weird French Revolution all over again. Not because the government is, you know, has this desire to start changing, but it, it kind of this modern life is taking away our rhythms. Smartphone, electricity, alarm clocks, cars. We can go, 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 and never stop. We lose the rhythm that God created our body to live in. Without Sabbath, we go against the rhythm that God, the creator himself, built into our bodies. And there's consequences. When we don't Sabbath, we, we suffer all the things that I said. Burnout, stress, tanked immune system, brain fog, frayed relationships and distance from God. And it's also true on the positive side. When we do Sabbath, we reap the rewards. There's two stories that seem to highlight that. Uh, one is around the Oregon Trail. So for some of us, maybe our only uh, exposure to the Oregon Trail is that old school computer game that we played where you always died of dysentery. I never got far enough. I died in dysentery or I drowned in a river. But it was an a it's based off an actual thing of people traveling west. And apparently... I, I looked into this, and it said in a lot of things that this happened, but no hard evidence. So this could just be a myth. So take it with a grain of salt. But so there was pioneers traveling on the Oregon Trail, and winter was approaching, and they had to get to their destination because winter was going to not be good if they were still traveling. Well, there was a disagreement of how to get there on time. And so they broke up in two groups. One of the groups just traveled seven days a week because they just decided they needed to get there. The other group refused to break Sabbath. They traveled six days, rested one. And apparently, the Sabbath people arrived first. That may be just a myth. Another one that is rooted in scientific uh, studies, a medical study, is uh, a medical study was done on a large group of Christians who practiced the Sabbath. So it was a group of seven-day Adventists in California that seemed to have to last a really long time in life. And so it was a study around um, people longevity. And they were looking at the different cultures that had a lot of, uh, what's it called? Centurions, mm, there it is. I was going to say centurions, and I was like, that's not the right word. People that are living over 100. There we go, I'll say it a different way. And so they're studying, why are these communities? What are they doing differently? And so one was a group of Seventh-day Adventists who were uh, practiced Sabbath. And what they found is all the different controls was not only were they happier on average, but they lived approximately 5 to 11 years longer than other Americans. And a doctor theorized that for every day you Sabbath, you add a day to your life expectancy. Six in one rhythm is built into God's world. You fight it, you face the consequences. 
Which I think is why later in Scripture, Sabbath is actually commanded by God. We see in, uh, when we go to Exodus 20, 8 to 11, when uh, Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments is around the Sabbath. Listen to this. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. When you look in your Bible at that, you realize that it's actually the largest of all the commandments. If you look how much words are used, it's around 37% of the Ten Commandments. And it seems to be the only one we brag about breaking. I mean, even in kind of our cultural uh, situation now, few of us are bragging, not of us, but few of us, larger society, are bragging about affairs or lies, but yet many of us outside the church and inside the church brag about how many days we've worked in a row, how many emails we slogged through, how much overtime we had to do, how long in the night we had to combine. Man, I I find myself doing this too. And it's a weird thing. Confession. It's a weird thing of both wanting people to, as I reflected, why do I do that? Why do I talk about all the activities my kids are in and my husband's working overtime and I just have to do all this work? Well, it's a weird combination of it's like I both want, I want people's like sympathy and I want their like admiration. It's a really weird, twisted thing. As I, it's this feeling of, I want fe- people to feel sorry for me, but I also want them to think I'm like really good at being able to like manage all this. What? I'm, I'm bragging, humble brag, about breaking one of the things that God no not only has commanded us, but invited us into. Busyness can be a sign of social status. Getting clout. Eugene Peterson says, if you cannot afford to take one day a week for rest, you're taking yourself too seriously. This is not the way of Jesus. And I think it's important to acknowledge there's a, there's a debate that believers have about whether the Sabbath is still a binding commandment or not. Whether, you know, it's something where it's like, well, we have to do or do we not have to do it? But asking whether we have to keep the Sabbath or not, I think, isn't the point here. Even if the Sabbath commandment wasn't binding anymore in that we had freedom to do it or not, I think it still stands as wisdom. Lots of things aren't commanded in Scripture, clearly, but they're essential to becoming a person of love. 
Jesus says in Mark 2, 27, when again he's talking to the Pharisees, says, Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And so he was talking to a generation that actually had the opposite problem of us. It was at a time when the Pharisees had put so many rules and regulations around the Sabbath that warped God's intent. And I talked about that in my, my Grace for the Pharisees sermon. All the different rules they had to do to make sure they weren't breaking it. So they needed the second line. Not people to meet the requirements for the Sabbath. But I think we need the first part, don't we? The Sabbath was made for people's needs. We don't really have any rules or boundaries around Sabbath in this culture, do we? Before Sabbath was a command, it was a gift from God. A generous, joyful God. Remember the Sabbath. What are we remembering? Well, we remember that there's a creator God. We remember that there's a rhythm to creation. We remember we don't earn rest and stop because we're finished. Because we're never finished. We remember, as Rich Villita says, we are more than what we produce or what other people think of us. We are who we are, deeply loved. We remember that our life with God is a gift. We remember that the world is full of evil, brokenness, and injustice, but it's also full of goodness, beauty, and truth. Remember the Sabbath. And Sabbath just isn't a, a day. It's actually a way of life. The practice of Sabbath is a day of rest that actually, actually cultivates a spirit of restfulness in all of life. We shift from restlessness to restfulness, hurry to peace, busyness to margin, burnout to sustainable pace, noise to quiet, distraction to clarity, isolation to solitude, crowds to community, grasping to gratitude. Can you imagine it? Well, Sabbath just isn't an imagination exercise or a teaching moment. It's a practice. There's certain habits called keystone practices, and those are habits that all the other good habits flow from. Sabbath is one of those. Sabbath is a means to an end. This isn't something where you can say, oh, I practice Sabbath, check mark. Nor is it just to be well-rested and happy, even though that's a byproduct. Sabbath is to participate in a life and love of God himself, to live more deeply in him and his rhythms for life. And it's not just on the Sabbath, but all week long. We don't have to live a life of non-stop exhaustion. You, right where you are, no matter your stage of life, whether you are living alone, whether you are a small business owner, whether you are at home with a bunch of little kids, wherever you are can adopt the practice of Sabbath 
Brené Brown has this quote that says, it takes courage to say yes to rest and play in a culture where exhaustion is seen as a status symbol. So we acknowledge this is actually hard work. To start implementing new rhythms, to say no to things, to stop, will take practice and hard work. And so that's the reason why we're going through this series. That's the reason why we have a booklet. You can find it on the Church Center app. We have some printed ones on the Spiritual Resource Center that help you step-by-step develop a practice of Sabbath. And then we also have questions to interact with what you're learning and your experiences more deeply, either with your connect group or with friends or with a spouse. Those are also on the Church Center app and printed in the back. Because here's the thing. If all you do is listen to me, Apparently, within 24 hours, your brain has flushed the information. All you have to do is stop. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. We're going to sing one more song and then I'll come up for a benediction. And so I encourage you all to grab uh, the printed guides or pull it up on your uh, church center app. If you're looking for a connect group to kind of walk and and process some of this with, come talk to me. I'd love to find a place for you to get connected. And just a reminder, at the end of our four-week series on November 4th, we're going to be celebrating uh, a Sabbath meal in houses. So if you'd like to host, if you're like, I'd love to have people in my house for a meal, sign up for a host. If you are like, I just want to attend a meal, sign up to be an attendee. We'd love to have um, as many people as possible gathering together. Uh, let's pray. Hmm. Jesus, thank you that you came to give us abundant life and life to the fullest, not only uh, for all of eternity, but for right now. And so, would you show us what that looks like? Would you teach us? Would you, as we go about this week, would you bring to our mind the places where, for whatever reason, we can't stop? And would you speak to us in those moments? With your grace, with your tenderness and compassion, would you tell us to stop? And so today, church, I bless you. I bless you to experience the unforced rhythms of grace that Jesus has for us all. I bless you to experience uh, deep breaths that come into your whole being that are filled with the spirit of healing 
wholeness and freedom, which is the spirit of Jesus. May you learn what it looks like to walk freely and lightly. And may Jesus show you the things that are ill-fitting for you, that he doesn't want you to carry anymore. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are dismissed. Go in peace and in peace return. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.